0: Go ahead and open your Bibles to the Book of Mark, Chapter Ten. That's right; we're in a whole new chapter. I know you're excited about it. <clears throat> well, we'll see when we get there. Uh, but go ahead and and turn in your Bibles there. You know there there are things that Jesus says to us as we've gone through these Gospels and so forth, and and we come away and we feel God's love and we feel His grace. And then there are other times where his words seem very scandalous. In fact, they can be, um, if we just put it out there for what it is, it's agitating. Because Jesus is telling us something that our culture um, says is not. Uh, and even, will even say that what true love and grace is, is the opposite of what Jesus is saying. And so, our, that's what this text says this morning. It's one of those types. And it's very important as we go into this, and we talked about this in Bible class, it's very important we understand the context by which this was written. We try to do that every week. And it's very important as we do this as well. So the first two verses really kind of set us up. And it says, And he left there, and he went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, And crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up. Ah. And in order to test him, ask, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? So you look at it, and the very first thing we have to ask ourselves is, why are the Pharisees there? They are there to test Jesus, to trap him. Okay, So you've got to understand, if someone you know is coming to trap you, to try to trap you in your words, and by the way, this was a a high voltage area that they're in, we talked about that in class, Um, then how do you think you're going to respond? Are you going to respond by telling them everything that you feel on this, or is it that you know they already are coming and they're not really seeking an answer? And Jesus is going to flip this on them here in just a moment. But here's the big question. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Whoa. That's a big one. And really, it's kind of curious. And the reason I say that is because, well, every culture, including Judaism of the day, they they all had these things for divorce. And we're going to see that, and we, they knew that too. And, and, and we know that it was so prevalent among the Jews that the prophets used divorce to show how their relationship had broken with God. And so even God gave out a certificate of divorce to Israel. To understand really where this comes from, you have to look at the parallel. And normally we, we try to stick with the text. And it is important, but it is important to at least see what they already knew. And that is, this was about, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? That was the big debate. That's what all of this was it, um, was it about. And I believe, honestly, I think people here, whether you're married and you've been married for 50-plus years, or if you're newly married, or if you're divorced, or whatever, I think we all honestly seek this answer you know what what is what are these grounds as we often call it what are the grounds for for divorce and what we have to be careful of is not going in and looking for jesus to tell us what we already know or what we already believe and so what i ask you to do and just like i've done i've said this through all, throughout mark is i want you to erase anything preconceived ideas that you already have of this text. And let's just let Jesus take us through it. Because automatically we think this whole thing is about divorce. And we're going to soon find out it's not. So we get going here. Let's start verses 3 and 4. So Jesus said to them, Well, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. All right. So before Jesus answers his question, he answers their question with a question, <laughs> which is, you know, what did Moses say? Did you know there are 613 laws of Moses? Some might debate between 6, you know, 11 and 613, but either way, there are only two that deal with divorce. That give any kind of guidance at all on the question of divorce. All those laws, major problem, and only two. And they come from these two right here, and both of them, we looked at this in class. We're not going to take the time in here because we don't have that kind of time, which is why we do this in class. Um, both of these are about protecting women, they were about protecting the wife in a male dominated society. You need to understand that the law of Moses and how it came out was God began giving them laws after he has taken them out of Egypt. They had been centuries in Egypt. And they come out with all of these issues. And so God takes them where they are and he's trying to move them. He's trying to move them in the direction that they need to go. And you need to understand uh, kind of the context behind that. And so women were looked down upon. They were looked at as property. We'll see this in a moment. Uh, polygamy was a real issue, and how women were treated in polygamy, which is what the top one is about. Um, they could just, you know, send women away, and, and they could go back and snatch them again if they wanted, like they were a piece of property. And, and, and so we find all of these abuses. And so, even here, hundreds of years later, what is the question that's being asked by the Pharisees? Can a man divorce his wife? Well, what about the women? They're not considered here. Because that's not how they were seen. Even at this particular time. They were considered property. And so the word used in the Greek for this bill of divorcement is also the same word that's used in relinquishing property. Okay? So, when a husband, he, you know, wants to divorce his wife and go and find another wife, or maybe he did in the process, then he simply gives a certificate of divorce, he relinquishes his property, and he takes on another property. It would be like, and for them, you've got to understand how they heard this, and how they're hearing the things of Jesus. It would be like saying that you are wrong, that you are guilty, if you go out and sell your car and you purchase a new one because that's how they saw women they were pieces of property so to the Pharisees marriage was an institution for men it was an institution for men to decide what is to happen and what is not to happen and when that relationship does not please the man then he can get out that's how it was seen so the Pharisees answer Jesus' question and say, yes, well the law does, you know, it just shows you right here, they're not really asking a question about is, can a man divorce his wife. Well, the law permits it. Moses said we could write a certificate of divorce and they're referring to the Deuteronomy 24 passage. Folks, that's what the whole debate was about, was Deuteronomy 24 in verses 1, uh, in verses one through 4. Now remember, Mark is writing to Gentiles. Gentiles in the Greco-Roman world, they didn't even have to have a certificate of divorce. They could simply say, I'm leaving. They don't even have to give a reason, and they're out the door. So understand the culture that this is all surrounding. Understand why the Pharisees have come there to trap Jesus, and now Jesus is ready to speak. And this is what he says. Let's begin in verse 5. So verse five, and Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, whoa, started off fast, didn't he? He wrote you this commandment, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, God has joined together. Let not man separate. Let me tell you, this is not the response they were hoping for. It wasn't. The law, he says, the reason there is a certificate of divorce is because of the hardness of your hearts. That's why divorce was ever introduced into society. is because of the hardness of humanity. The divorce certificate was to protect wives from abandonment. It was to protect them from from being abused, from being neglected. It was protecting them from being seen as nothing more than a piece of property. And that they could even take that certificate of divorce and go out and they could remarry and it would have been more out of necessity than love and they would not be called adulteresses. Folks, that's what those were about. And so these two laws are not a reflection of God's will for marriage. Because that was not God's idea. And so for us to understand God's will for marriage, we need to understand what God has said. And so they didn't need to hear rules for divorce folks that's, that listen we have a we have all these problems in society and what we want to know is well what can i do what what are my what are my choices imagine over here is our our flight school imagine you're going you're going to sign up over there and the, all they do is continually to teach you the course on how to crash a plane how well are you gonna fly a plane not well and that's what these folks were doing all they wanted to know is how can I crash this relationship they were not interested in how do you actually fly the plane how does this whole marriage thing work in Matthew's parallel we find the uh, we find an exception for the divorce mark doesn't deal with it here Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I think Exodus 21 also applies to things as well. But listen, Mark is not interested in case law. He's really, this is not, Jesus is not teaching them about divorce. Jesus is teaching them about marriage. We just go here when we think in terms of divorce because we think this is where we go. No, this is where we go when we learn something about marriage. And so what he does here is he says, we've got to go back further than the law of Moses, and we've got to go back to the first two pages in the Bible. We've got to learn about creation. We've got to learn about the creation of humanity. And Jesus quotes first from uh, the latter part of this, he quotes from this Hebrew poem. So God created man, In his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them humanity he says is made in the image of God okay both male and female we share in God's likeness there's one God but God is made up of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So God made one humanity, and when he says, and God made man, he's not talking about male, he's saying humanity. And when he makes humanity, he makes one humanity, and it's made up of male and female. All right, you're following this so far. So the covenant love that God has with one another, it overflows... And it creates human life. Okay? So Jesus also quotes from another passage in Genesis, Genesis two twenty four. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Okay, folks, we are not created like animals. Okay, you, listen, this is so important. We're different. What do animals do? Animals just go from partner to partner to partner and they just create all over the place like rabbits right we have been called to a higher calling our calling is not just to go and be with whoever and whenever we want and just continue to produce life because that's like the animals in fact it's so fascinating when you go through Genesis and you really continue through the scripture there is this there is this distinction when humanity becomes like animals and when we go outside of what God's image is then we become like the animals and so that happens when a male and a female they leave their biological parents and they make this new family this new family animals don't do this folks they don't leave their parents and then they go and they join this new family and then they create life from it we're given a divine breath in creation in Genesis 2 and verse 7 we model the image of God Well, what is this image God the three in one they, the one suddenly becomes two. It becomes male and female, is what the text says. And suddenly the two become one again, in that they're now married. They are become one flesh. And who we are is to mirror that image of God, where these marriages, of, they the one unions, and out of this covenant love they have for each other, they create life, and for some of you you've got more than two on your board I've got four I know the card reaches has got like what 12 for 15 to 20 I don't know uh, but you know you're, you're creating these and, and the purpose is so that your kids will one day leave mother and father and they will be joined a male and a female and they become and they make this new union because out of that union of a male and a female can life again be created and that's how we We go about and we do life. And what it is, this is a symbol of God. We are made in the image of God, and we mirror God when we do this. So there's a problem, though. There is a a desire of the flesh. The Bible talks about that quite a bit, doesn't it? And it talks about how we have to fight against this. Men have this thing called testosterone. I'm not going to give you all the scientific stuff, but there's a reason that men are targeted in in advertising industry and on the internet and all this kind of stuff. And it doesn't mean they're the only ones, but it means there is, but we also have a divine nature that allows us to rise above that animal-like instinct so that we can be like God, we can be In this image of God that He wants for us, and we enter into a covenant relationship. And there, out of that love, out of the covenant relationship, more life is brought. The view is meant to affect everything regarding sex, regarding marriage, divorce, remarriage, the definition of marriage. All of those things are to be seen here. Jesus doesn't say those things are outdated. Jesus says to the more, uh, the stuff that came later, he says, no, 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 you got to go back here because this, this is, and those of you who've had my classes before and we've gone through Old Testament stuff, we, we say often everything goes back to Genesis 1 through 3. It's just amazing how it all continues to just go back there. We need to understand what it says back there. So... Jesus asked the Pharisees, he said, haven't you read your Bibles? Which also comes out of the books of Moses. They're quoting Moses. But this is also one of the books of Moses. The law of Moses wasn't God's plan for marriage. Genesis is. Is there anything more controversial in our culture right now than what I've just talked about? I mean, you've got, you've got, two genders, and those opposite genders marry, and they produce more life, um, Those that union is intended to remain uh, through their lifetime. I mean, and, and when we think about whether it's ourselves or whether people we love, it's a very personal issue, is it not? And here's what I I really believe that Jesus is not just coming off to the side here and says let me just give you all a quick lesson on marriage Jesus is going to the cross and he is telling them what the kingdom of God is about and he says this is what the kingdom of God looks like in your home this is what it looks like with spouses divorce Is not a part of the image of God divorce he says right out it's the problem of a hard heart and Jesus isn't trying to make everyone unhappy he's not trying to be controversial he's simply trying to bring a cure to the hardness of heart and the only way we can do that is if we begin to mimic the image of God and one of the areas we mimic it as disciples is in our marriages. Is it lawful for a husband to put away his wife for any reason? Jesus says no. Not on terms of God's will. Moses made concessions, but he made concessions in order to keep it from being a greater evil than what it already is. Jesus isn't saying this Either so that those who are in failed marriages or you've had failed marriages, that you are going to live with this guilt for your lifetime. That's not. That's not what Jesus is trying to do here. The question is not whether God will forgive those who have had failed marriages. In fact, Jesus already answered that question way back in chapter 3. And he says, all sins will be forgiven the children of man. Those who want forgiveness, they come to God, they can find it. The question in our day of quick divorces and casual divorces is whether or not we as disciples of Jesus will listen to the call of Christ or whether we will listen to the pull of our culture. That's what this comes down to. Well, he's not finished. I know you're like, oh, good. All right, so we go to verse 10. And in the house, so Jesus has moved to a house with the disciples. The disciples ask him again about this matter. Folks, this just blows their mind. They weren't taught this way. This is not what the rabbis, this is not what the Pharisees had taught. They liked this for any reason clause and for men to be in charge of, of how this goes and women to be seen the way they were seen. And so they're asking about this matter. And he said to them, uh-oh, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband, it's the first time we learn of wife doing this, but if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. What is Jesus doing? He's continuing to stress the permanence of marriage. That's what he's doing here. It isn't to be seen as a contract that can just be changed on a whim it's not to be looked at you know when I find something better or I can find another partner then I can move on which is often the view of our culture Jesus says that's adultery when you have this attitude of any and every reason and if I'm just not happy with you or I'm not as much in love with you as I was before or I found someone else who I think is my quote unquote soulmate then Jesus says, that comes out of a hard heart. Now, there's a side note I want to give here, which is, Mark doesn't talk about this, Matthew does, and I'm only going to give a side note because I think it's important that as we talk about the image of God, Jesus goes in Matthew, and he speaks about those who remain single and abstinent for the kingdom of God. You see how that's all about the kingdom of God? It's just amazing. He is the first ruler ever, in history that we have any record of that actually elevated the single life so if you're living in a single life I want you to know Jesus did too he's talking about marriage here and he's not talking to couples and saying well they have a hard heart because they're not able to have children that's not what is being said here but common sense tells us that the marriage union is stronger than people want to let on look you can get a divorce you can separate all the property you can live in completely separate houses even in separate cities or countries but you know what there's still a part of your life that's still always there i mean what does a couple do let's just say they were married for 20 years and they get a divorce well what do you do with the with the photo albums do you throw them out do you say well that part of my life never existed and see it's not that easy And we really see it when in a marriage relationship when children are involved. And you realize that even even after the divorce is final and even after the kids are older, that that bond is still there. It's just not something you just do away with and you never worry about it again. But let's talk about children for a moment because he ends this way. And actually, the way he ends points upwards to this, but it's also going to point down to where we're going to go next week. But this is what he says, beginning in verse 13. And they were bringing children to him, that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant, and he said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, like a child, shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. So we know that children are a result of this marriage relationship. And out of that that relationship, out of the image of God, this new life has come, right? Right? And here these parents are bringing their children to Jesus to be blessed. Folks, parents, if you don't get anything else, you better get this about what we're talking about with children. And, and here we're talking about the kingdom of God. If, if you really are a disciple of Jesus, you want your children to be blessed by Jesus. I, I, that's just a whole other story in itself. But anyway, but Jesus wasn't happy how his disciples are treating them they're acting like a bunch of bullies this is the way they've been last week we saw this right they want to decide who's in and who's out and here they want to control who's in and who's out and it further reveals the compassion of Jesus because we see the compassion of God back in the law and he's protecting women who had no protection and here in with the Pharisees he's answering a question and he's protecting women because all they want to know about is men and, and Jesus comes to the rescue. And he's coming to the rescue again of those who are helpless, those who are powerless. People look at Jesus' teachings and, and in our society and we go, Oh, this is so radical. And is Jesus is being ridiculous. Let me tell you something. Jesus has always, always tried to protect those who had, who had nothing. So... Jesus says look they're the ones who will inherit the kingdom of God and if you want to be a part of the kingdom of God you gotta be like children and the way you do that is is understanding what they lack in the ancient world let me just give you an idea of children in the ancient world uh, children had no status we've we talked about that before. the Greco-Roman world was even worse you they could throw a baby out at as an infant I mean just as soon as it's born our country's not too far from that we're just seconds away really but that's how they saw human life and then there would be those evil people and they would say well you don't want that baby I'll take it and they will raise it to be gladiators and they raise them to be prostitutes and they would even disfigure these children so that they would get more money begging okay that's the culture they lived. we don't live in that kind of culture We don't live in that kind of culture. And so, to receive the kingdom of God is to receive it as one who has no credits. They have nothing to bring. They only have the kingdom because Jesus blessed them. And that's what I want you to keep in the back of your mind because we're going to come next week and we're going to answer a very big question, which is who will be saved? who will be saved. And we're going to deal with this rich guy who comes to Jesus. I'm going to wrap all of this up. Folks, marriage is not a fairy tale where you get married and everybody lives happily ever after. It, it's, it can be very difficult at times, and the reason is you've got two humans who live in that house. And there are stressors that come about living in a fallen world, and all of those things are contributors to it. Even committed Christians, they can find themselves in divorce courts. And even those who say, well, you know what, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I, we try to stay to the model of the image of God, and, but they've already divorced. Even though they didn't go to a divorce court, they already mentally, they're gone. They no longer show forth that love and that covenant love that is seen with the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And, and it's filled with a lot of anger and hatred rather than love. The church has to stand against our culture and what it says that we should pursue and what we think is good and what we think is right and do what feels good to me and what makes me happy. That's not about me. Denying self, denying self, taking up a cross and following Jesus is not pursuing my own happiness in life it is pursuing the image of God we must call divorce what it is it's sin It's hard-heartedness and look you know we can we could go all day long and say well you know in my situation you know they're the ones who had the hard heart and 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 maybe so and we could go into percentages well you know only ten percent of my heart was hard but you know ninety percent of their and we could, no 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 listen Jesus just said look let's just call this broken relationship for what it is it's, it's a hard heart. It's sinfulness. And at the same time, our purpose as a church is not to take our Bibles and to beat people over the head who are already hurting, who are already bruised and broken in these relationships. We are to be a place, the church, for people to heal Because anyone who's ever gone through something like this and they've done everything they can, let me tell you something, it hurts. And that's why God hates divorce. You know it? And that's why most divorced people hate divorce because it requires healing and it requires forgiveness. But we also need to be proactive. And we in the church, we need to help each other in our marriages. Help people out here in our community, people that you work with, and say, listen, God wants you to have the best that you can have. But it's a completely surrendered life. And that doesn't mean, okay, you need to come see the preacher for premarital counseling or, or almost breaking up marriage, whatever it is, because a lot of people feel like the preacher's got all the answers. Listen if you love God and you deny yourself and you're willing to take up a cross and follow Jesus you can help people and if you work on your marriage you can help other people in their marriages and it's not that your marriage is perfect it's just that you've worked through things as a couple and I realize there are times first Corinthians 7 even talks about this there's times where no matter how much you want to work the other ones going to abandon that relationship folks this is not a lesson about divorce about marriage and rather than trying to figure out all the answers of how to crash an airplane we need to figure out how to fly it let's pray father we come to you this day and we thank you for your goodness we thank you that you created us out of your love and out of your mercy and your grace and you continue to pursue after us as your own children. And Father, we fail. We fail, if not in marriage, we fail in other places in life. But Father, we pray specifically this morning for our marriages here. And I pray, Father, that they will a- be able to, uh, to both be able to seek you and to find the true grace and the true beauty of, of what you have created and what you set forth. in the very creation itself father help us to help the world see no matter how much they may reject it may they see your image that just flows out of your people and out of these relationships that we have and father I pray for those who have gone through these these terrible times Father, I ask if they haven't found forgiveness, that they'll seek it, and those who have sought your forgiveness, but they still can't forgive themselves, Father, help them to find that peace of mind. And Father, we just we pray, especially for them to give them healing, but help us to be a people who want to live in your image, and it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Maybe you're here and you're, you just need some prayers. You know, when we talk about marriage, that's a very personal thing. Um, and so, I, I, you know, I'm also very cautious in saying, okay, if you've got a bad marriage, come on up front. Some situations it may be like that and it may be of a very public nature. And it may be you just like, I need some more prayers. Or maybe you're broken and you need some prayers. Or maybe it's something else, and that's okay. We want to we help you in that. And maybe some of you, you, just, you don't even know about this image of God because you just, you've never sought God. And, and you're seeing that there's something about God and who he is and what he gives to us that there's something better. It's better than what is offered out here. It's just better. And so I want, I want to know about this Jesus who loves me that much that he cares to help me in my situation and and we want to help you and we want to tell you about this Jesus we want to tell you how this new life begins and how we take on the very image of Jesus and it's a beautiful and wonderful thing God's spirit comes and lives in us and helps us in our marriages it's a beautiful thing but we don't have time to go through all of that stuff but if we can help you we want to help you. And it doesn't have to be during this song. You come talk to any of us at any time and let us know how we can help. But if you, can, if you need to respond now, come. Together we stand and as we sing.